back everybody to the greater community. Um, this show exists to highlight ministries happening out in our local and global community. And today we have uh, Ryan and Monica Reeves who are on staff with Crew here in Kansas City. And so we're excited to have them. Um, so whether you are watching this on YouTube or listening to us on the podcast, we wanna encourage you just to, um, to jump in, to listen as you hear things that, are, that you're curious about. Uh, feel free to comment in the comment section, um, share this, this information with other people. But, but Ryan and Monica, we're excited to have you guys. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and, and tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Thanks yeah, for having thanks. us. Um, so yeah, we're, as Tom said, Ryan and Monica Reeves, and uh, we have been married for about 10 years, almost 10 years coming up next month. And uh, yeah, we work with Crew Campus Ministry. Um, I'm from Colorado and uh, Monica moved out there to work with Crew a while ago. And uh, that's how we kind of met through work and her moving to be closer to where I was. And, and uh, she has family out here. So we moved back to Kansas City uh, for a while. And then what happened after that? <laughs> well, we've been here back in Kansas City for a year. We moved to Manhattan, Kansas for about three years for me to do a master's degree in communication studies. So I finished that up about a year ago. We're back in Kansas City. This is kind of always planned for this to be our home base for the indefinite future. Um, so we're, we enjoyed our time in Manhattan, but we're very excited to be back here and working with crew. Ryan works with the team locally, and then I work in our fund development department. And so my job, uh, I oversee staff in several different states and work more from home. So Zoom calls are kind of like normal for me, even before and after COVID. Um, so I work to help train and coach our staff so that they're fully funded, um, financially faithful, all of our staff across our uh, eight-state region. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I work with, directly with students. Um, on Our team has uh, 29 campuses, uh, Kansas City Metro team, 29 campuses uh, in Kansas City and north and south and a little bit east of Kansas City that we work with. So, so for those who aren't familiar with CREW, I know there's lots of different campus ministries that are on campuses throughout the country. What is kind of some distinctive um, aspects of CREW that kind of distinguish, distinguish what you guys are doing on campuses? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'll share a little bit and then you can share more. Uh, so yeah, CREW, we focus on both evangelism and discipleship. Um, there's some ministries that have more of a focus on one or the other, and lots of ministries do focus on both, kind of like we do. But um, we we say um, the three words that describe what we do are win, build, and send. So we win students, faculty, staff, whatever uh, group of people we're ministering to to Christ. Um, yeah, by sharing the gospel. Um, yeah, and just sharing life with one another in the context of relationships, uh, growing people up in their faith. So that's building and then sending them out to win and build and send others. And uh, yeah, also uh, we just have a, a real um, kind of missionary spirit of reaching the whole world. So it started as just reaching students uh, in the 1950s uh, at, at UCLA in California, but now there's different ministries of crew all around the world in 190 plus countries. And so really trying to, um, yeah, through students in the campus ministry that we're still a part of, but also 
um, in other ways with other ministries under the umbrella of crew, trying to reach the whole world, um, you know, to fulfill the great commission. Um, yeah. To make disciples of all nations. So. I think that's a good summary. Really wait. We've both been working with crew for Salaam because we have such a heart for college age students. God used crew in our lives significantly when we were in college. And so we still just love that, that age. And we know that you know, many of them go on to um, walk with God for a lifetime and have that impact wherever um, he leads them. And so that's our, our heart. And then with my role getting to help and train and coach people, I love getting to help send some of those people to the other ministries too. So I'm based in the campus ministry. We're primarily there, but helping to um, some people that are going to work with like our athletes in action is a uh, ministry of crew works directly with college and professional athletes for family life, um, working with those that are trying to reach families. So, um, yeah, it's so hard to see people grow and to help them know the Lord, um, move closer to him and have an impact for him. And Monica, you mentioned a little bit about how you got connected. Can you tell us a little bit more about just how, how does one become part of campus staff, right? This is something they didn't just you weren't born as a crew, you know, <laughs> part of on crew staff, but how did you get connected into this ministry to the point where you wanted to do this as a vocation? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So I grew up just north of here in Atchison, Kansas. I was born here in Kansas City, and then we moved there. So I grew up there with a really strong foundation. Um, went to a great elementary school, Lutheran elementary school, and um, really was, was excited about my faith, but I went to college and then kind of drifted from the Lord until my junior year, realizing that I had kind of just dismissed this whole part of my life as just sort of head knowledge and facts and really wanted to come back to figure out what do I really believe and do I want to live um, this faith out. And so God, in my life particularly, God used crew to help me kind of figure that out. I uh, got to know some staff and students. And, and as I got involved and got to start growing and got to try some like some of our summer mission or spring break trips that kind of stuff and then i interned right after i graduated for me it was kind of an easy um at that point it was easy for me to see god's leading of god had used it in my life and then i loved being a part of seeing students reach and i think that's brian will share his story too but it's fairly common for a lot of us that we were impacted especially for those in the campus ministry and and reached by um, you know, the Lord used it in some way in our life. And then that led us to, oh, I kind of like to do this too. So that was 19 years ago for me. Um, I never really knew I'd be doing it this long, but, um, but yeah, so that's how I got involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll go ahead and share how I got involved too. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home uh, most of the time with my mom and then my dad, uh, when I was with him, that my parents were divorced. So he wasn't, uh, religious at all so we didn't go to church but I kind of believed in God from an early age but didn't really walk with God I'd say uh, until college and so I learned a whole lot more about my faith in college and how it impacted my daily life and uh, what especially was uh, transformative and amazing for me was realizing how God's acceptance of me and his love for me was was what I really needed because I um, even though I believed God, you know, saved me from my sins uh, so that I could be in relationship with him for eternity uh, through Jesus Christ. I thought I needed to get all of my acceptance and love from other people. Um, God was just there for, you know, when I died, so I could go to heaven. But um, yeah, learning in college about, you know, how, 
how much God loves me and how much he accepts me and others who are Christians. Um, yeah, it really helped me to see that I could serve and love other people, not to get their approval or to get things from them, but to, you know, just be an expression of the love that God had already given me. And that was more than I ever needed. Um, so that was really cool. And then, yeah, learning about the ministry of the Holy Spirit um, and that God living in me meant, means that I have power to live the life that God calls me to live, the Christian life. That was a real key thing too. And I kept on learning all these different things. Uh, those are just a couple of them. And then by the time I was about to graduate, uh, well, after my junior year of college and going on a summer mission with crew as well, I just thought, man, I wish every student uh, had opportunities to grow like I have in college. And I'd also started to share my faith with, with non-believers too by that point. Um, and so I thought, boy, I just need to at least take a couple of years um, to, you know, give God back um, some time that he, he poured into me. And so, yeah, that was 18 years ago for me, uh, instead of just a couple of years like I thought it might be. But yeah, I just love seeing, like I said, students get to go through some of the same uh, learning experiences and really deepen their faith or to begin, you know, faith. Uh, as well. So that's why I'm still on staff. That's why we're both still on staff after 18 and 19 years, I guess. Mm -hmm. And obviously you can tell just by listening to you that this is a, a, a deep calling for you. Where do you see kind of the maybe unique opportunities or the unique um, need that college students have specifically? Like this ministry to college students obviously is very important. You, you find high value in it. Where do you see that value? Where do you see um, kind of the need that you're trying to meet in college students right to, in today's culture, I guess? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One, one thing that um, has really kind of summed things up for me the last few years is, is thinking about the different pictures of who Jesus is to so many people and the different images of who he is, um, who he's supposed to be. And so I really kind of boil our job down to helping people meet the real Jesus and then making a decision about him based on who he actually is instead of who I think he is or who the culture says he is. Um, so that's motivating for me, even in the role that I do now of training and, and coaching staff, it's to help them go and go to those specific places. And so helping be a part of kind of impacting even more areas than what I could personally reach. Um, that's still the motivation of just, you know, there's so many varied views about who Jesus is and was um, and so we have that opportunity to help people meet the real Jesus of the Bible. Right. Yeah. Kind of going along with that. Um, yeah. The, in the fifties, 1950s, when crew started, most people of whatever age kind of had a church background, especially by the time they were in college or older, had a church background, kind of knew Bible stories, even if they weren't a believer in Christ, they, they kind of knew, you know, what Christianity was all about. Uh, could probably tell you what the gospel was, even if you uh, helped them uh, define that word gospel. If they didn't know that word, they would still kind of know what the gospel was, the good news of Christ coming down and, and uh, you know, dying on a cross to forgive people of their sins, all that. But nowadays, uh, more and more people, especially college age and under, haven't grown up uh, in any church background or in any, you know, knowledge of who God is or that there is a God or that you know, haven't read the Bible, all those kind of things. And then uh, pairing that with 
uh, Generation Z is supposedly the most anxious um, generation to date. Uh, they have a lot of anxiety and, and I think that's fueled by, you know, social media and trying to look, you know, certain ways for everybody all the time and being always connected to everything. And so that creates more stress, and anxiety and, and just, yeah, they worry about things. They really want to, to reach out to the world around them. They're, they're also, you know, really high into activism and, and helping other people, but they often don't know how. And then, yeah, they're so busy plugged into their phones and other devices that they, they might not take the steps that they really want to take. So then leads to more anxiety because they're not sure they want to do something for the world, but they're not sure how. And then they don't have any background of religion, but they've heard, like Monica said, you know, that Christians, you know, are judgmental. And so you shouldn't, you know, be around those judgmental people because we need to accept everybody. So they're very accepting generation two, more so uh, than generations in the past. Um, so kind of throw that all together and they're, you know, a little bit of a mess, like we all are. <laughs> but um, so they really do need Jesus, but yet they have the least knowledge of Jesus of any generation so far, at least in the U.S. And so we get to enter in and really give them something that they don't even have the knowledge of and, and point them to the, the Jesus who can give them purpose because they really want that purpose. And be the embodiment of true love and acceptance. Um, you know, that they want to live in an accepting, loving world. Um, and yeah, so it's really fun. So when you have that Jesus conversation with a student on campus, how does that typically go? Are people wanting to talk about Jesus? Is it, is it a, a, an easier conversation? Is it, a, is it a curious conversation? Is it all over the map? How do those how are those conversations going on campus when you bring up Jesus? Yeah, good question. Well, it definitely, like a lot of things, varies, I would say. Ryan has more kind of immediate experience. As I, when I was in grad school, I had lots of opportunities to work right alongside a lot of students. So that was uh, really fun and a good opportunity to have some ongoing conversation. But I would say for the most part, at least in this part of the country, people still remain pretty open to at least have a conversation. Um, I think people are curious, sometimes are, um, you know, wondering, like Ryan was talking about kind of that purpose and people wanting to make a difference. But so seeing people like uh, Christians who are really motivated by that kind of vision can be kind of intriguing. I think people want to know more about like, so why are you so serious about this and why is this important to you? Um, I have found a real openness, even in people's views that I knew were varied and different from mine, we could have um, a real back and forth conversation. And a lot of that for me, the conversations at grad school were definitely built on, I knew them well, we had some interaction and context to draw from, but I think you could speak more to this, but even just meeting people on campus for the first time, uh, it seems that people are still pretty interested in talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so usually, you know, how we approach someone that we don't know, whether, uh, and usually we staff try and go with students uh, and help them learn how to share their faith, which often they're reluctant to do first, but uh, like I was in college, but uh, they often find, you know, it's a lot easier and more fun than they thought it would be and less scary. Um, but we, yeah, approaching somebody new, we often use uh, 
one of these kind of survey tools or others. We have a lot of different survey tools. So we start up a conversation usually by asking for their help, for a student's help, because um, yeah, people like to help out other people often. And so then we also get to know who the student we're talking to is and what their background is through the survey tools or sometimes we'll just uh, ask about you know a current event that's going on if there's some something that's you know on people's minds already ask what they think about that but yeah just asking questions because that's what Jesus did a lot uh, is ask people questions to reveal you know their own needs to themselves uh, Jesus would help people see their need for him through you know just the right questions and we're not Jesus so we don't have all the right questions at all the time but we do have the Holy Spirit God living inside us so we ask to be spirit-led first of all we will even before we talk to somebody we always try and pray and uh, our definition of successful witnessing in crew is um, going out and sharing the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God so we always ask you know God please lead us to the right people fill us with your spirit Give us, you know, the right questions to ask and the right way to uh, transition into the gospel if you, you know, give us that chance. So when we're asking people questions often about what they believe as well, uh, then, you know, if they say they're already, they already think they're a Christian, often we'll kind of ask, you know, what does it mean that uh, you're a Christian? And, and could, if you, a friend asked you, you know, how do I become a Christian? What would you tell them? Things like that. And if they're not a Christian. Um, often by the end of the survey, they've shared a lot about themselves. So we can say something like, would we be able to share a little bit about something that's really important to us or about, you know, what we believe about these questions that we've been asking you. Um, and sometimes we go through a booklet like this uh, type of booklet, which is a little gospel presentation. Uh, sometimes we just talk about the gospel. But yeah, we always also, you know, whether we get to share the gospel or not in that first conversation, we try and get, uh, you know, contact information, follow up and invite them to hang out for coffee later or, you know, to do some fun sports day that we're doing or whatever and, and leave the relationship open instead of just saying, okay, thanks for sharing your thoughts. Bye. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think people can genuinely, can, can tell if you're genuinely concerned about their answers or if you have an agenda and so like what we as staff and always with our students you know this is not about having this agenda of I'm going to say these five things no matter what um, mm -hmm. in this conversation and I'm going to you know share this four-point outline of the gospel it, it's going into it really loving people and listening and mm -hmm. I know that we've both seen this as like a lot of people I think don't have anyone in their life that genuinely asks some of these questions and cares mm -hmm. or listens so if we we approach them and really want to hear their story and you know when we say you know could you help us out with something we explain like we just we want to know what students are thinking we we kind of do these informal surveys to get a feel for what the campus is like and mm -hmm. and so people uh, you know hopefully can tell that we do care about their story and we mm -hmm. care about you know where god might be at work in their life whether they even see it mm -hmm. um, but yeah ultimately listening and and trying to love them no matter how the conversation goes yeah, and we also try and train our students uh, up in how to, you know, reach their friends, their classmates, coworkers, family as well. And so, yeah, not just doing it with random people that they meet uh, in a student union or in a library or whatever. Um, but yeah, and then we're reaching out, you know, to people in various ways uh, and 
as we build those relationships, sharing with them too. And I was gonna to say too, everystudent.com is a website that we often use in evangelistic conversations because uh, it's a yeah, website that has millions of views each year and has a lot more views uh, during COVID times actually than it has you know, even before then. Lots more people getting online and asking questions about like who is God and things like that. So it, this website has uh, hundreds of articles about yeah, things that students would be asking about even like uh, what does you know Christianity say about sex or you know all kinds of things and so um, yeah we'll often point people to that website or say hey you know something in the conversation brings up something that an article on everystudent.com addresses hey there's this website could we check out you know what some uh, experts have to say about this thing that you were talking about and so we can do that way too. Yeah that's awesome. You earlier on, you as you were talking about the distinctives of kind of this generation, it made me it kind of raise a question in my mind. How do you see how, how have, I guess how have things changed since you were in campus ministry to how mm -hmm. things are on campus today? Whether you know everything from the environment on campus to how camp how ministry is done. How have you seen things change over the last you know eighteen nineteen years? Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good question i think even before covid you know there was a lot more like online engagement with people like yeah more people using even uh like the booklet i just i held up uh gospel track type thing there's an there's an app called the god tools app that has that and some other things in it and so and there's a, a jesus film jesus film is another ministry of crew and it's uh you know it started with um the life of Jesus as told in the Gospel of Luke on film and it's been shared with uh, billions of people around the world. Um, it's the most viewed film in history and most translated so it's in the most languages over 1200 languages but now there's this Jesus film app as well and it has not just the Jesus film itself in many different languages but a bunch of short films mm -hmm. um, and so you know attention span is another thing that's gone down 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 as the generations uh have, have in changed all ages. yeah in not all just ages. in younger people yeah but younger yeah. people have a really short attention span so you know we used to be able to more so point people to you know let's watch this film together it's an hour and a half or whatever and now there's these dozens of short films because people probably aren't going to sit down to watch an hour and a half film and discuss it but they'll watch a three minute thing and then discuss that right. um right. so yeah more using technology tools like that is, is one thing and having to do that um, and having to do things shorter so that they're more you know accessible to more people still yeah and there's pros and cons i think like when we both started i mean i had a cell phone barely when i first reported to campus and so you know we didn't really text a lot you just did kind of everything was just different and even how we communicate those initial um contact and so everything from like the format to like yeah how people how all of us are changing with technology around us and then i think as i look back on ministry i think it's it's evolving into more almost um like smaller connect points i think like i started out at missouri state and springfield and we had a a big um, ministry there and it was lots of fun a lot of people came people came to christ through coming to some of the events but i think now i don't know what it's like there now anymore 
some places do still have some large gatherings, but I think a lot of what we've seen in the last few years is most people decide to follow Christ because of connecting to other people who are following Christ and getting yeah. involved like in a discussion group of Bible study or developing that relationship over several months. And so it seems like two ministries changing a little bit more, at least in our experience, from not just events or not just uh, similar to church, not just having a church service in a building that people come to, but going out and also trying to build those relationships, you know, more. Not that we didn't do that at the beginning too. We always focused on those relationships, but I think sometimes those bigger things, maybe people came to those kinds of things more. It was kind of just the way that a lot of organizations function. And I think that's changing a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I'll throw in just an example of that at, at UMKC where uh, I'm working right now. There's seven different community group Bible studies and uh, they're limited, uh, especially the ones that meet in person are limited to 10 people right now because of COVID. But so there's about 70 students in these seven groups. And uh, there yeah, there used to be also a weekly meeting kind of to gather all the, the community groups together. But um, I think last year or the year before we weren't back here yet but um they kind of did away with the weekly gathering because yeah again it just wasn't big a draw people aren't drawn to that as much as they used to be in the past like when i was a student i lived for the weekly meeting i was looking forward to it all week long and it seemed like a lot of people were similar to me but yeah for students now it's not that big a deal um because they want yeah the more personal connection or smaller groups um, so they do a monthly gathering at umkc now and yeah not nearly as many people come to that um but there's a lot of people in those, those small groups and that's where you know real learning and real growth happens anyways too so yeah you mentioned covid earlier how does on-campus ministry work in the days where people are being very cautious about talking to new people and introducing new people into their bubble. But imagine that that raises a whole new set of challenges, but maybe new opportunities. So how, how has COVID impacted campus ministry? Yeah. So here in Kansas city on our team, um, we're, or I'm, I'm the one actually of us two that's on the Kansas city team really, but uh, the majority of the Kansas city crew team is, going on campuses that are allowing uh, student orgs to do things on campus. But I'm staying home, so I'm one of the very cautious people. <laughs> and then one other couple on our team is also doing that. But so those who are, are going to campus, um, from what I've heard them talk about, um, you know, the campuses are a lot less crowded. There's a lot less people just hanging out. So if you go try and meet new people, it's, it's harder to find those people, but they, they still are finding people to, to minister to in person. But um, we've, yeah, done a lot more virtual strategy of meeting people too. Like at the beginning of the year, um, we followed as um, UMKC crew uh, Instagram page, followed all kinds of, especially freshmen who were already in other groups that UMKC made uh, on Instagram or uh, other, other types of social media, uh, even Facebook things too, even though students aren't on Facebook as much nowadays. But um, then a bunch of students followed us back as UMKC crew, and then we were able to, you know, personally message those people on there and ask them to fill out a little survey, whereas normally we'd do 
you know, and we did that too at UMPC actually, but a, a survey table where we'd have some giveaways and, you know, um, it used to be a paper survey and now it's moved to a digital survey anyways. So that it was good that it was already a digital survey we were doing. Um, but yeah, have a little link to a survey, they fill it out and indicate their interest in things from getting involved in crew things or Bible studies to learning more about what it, uh, what it is to know God or, you know, what that even means, stuff like that. And then, yeah, those people either fill out the survey or they don't, but lots of them did. Uh, once we, uh, they followed us back, we engaged with them or an opportunity to come to uh, a Zoom meeting that we were having to learn more about what we're doing um, and just sent them a link to that, uh, a Zoom invite, things like that. So yeah, just engaging with people in all the online methods possible <laughs> and then seeing who, you know, gets back to us and who we can engage with further. Um, and then helping our students to reach out, you know, personally to their friends uh, that are also going to school, but may not be going to in-person classes. Uh, Cause a lot of our students and student leaders are not doing any in-person classes as well. So it's all phone conversations and, and Zoom calls with them too, like for discipleship and everything like that. Right. It seems like um, there's a thought process in young adults that I talk to, at least, where when you talk about sharing your faith, one of the objections is like, well, I, I know what I believe. I don't want to impress on somebody else what I believe. And so mm -hmm. there's kind of an assumption that when you start to kind of share your faith, that that will be met with some you know, that walls will be put up, but, you know, obviously campus ministries have been going and thriving, you know, obviously as it looks different, but mm -hmm. has that been your experience? I mean, do you find that people are kind of more private about their, you know, own personal faith convictions or are they more wanting to talk to you? Are they wanting to have that conversation? Are they, do they feel like, man, yeah, Finally, do they do they expect that? I guess yeah. What have what kind of response have you have you found as you're on campus or virtually trying to talk about Jesus and share your faith? Have, how what's that been like? How receptive have people been? Mm -hmm. well, what you heard? In yeah, experience. I I can talk about even in the last few years, kind of the change, and then you can talk more specifically about right now if it's different. But I think um, I was surprised, even like in grad school again, I was surprised at um, I figured once people knew what I, cause I was working with crew full-time while in school and I thought once people know what I do, I wonder if they'll even want to <laughs> have a conversation with me because there are such connotations in the culture about what it means to be a Christian. And, yeah. you know, some people tend to think we're judgmental and closed off and all those things. And so I was kind of unsure. And I think probably more hesitant than I needed to be at the beginning, because I thought kind of similarly, like, well, people aren't going to want to talk to me because they're going to think I kind of have this, you know, more um, walled up faith myself. But I was really encouraged by the way that kind of conversations happen just naturally. And I found that like I often would just as we talk about things, you know, grad students especially were very stressed out and they had right, they have very, very many demands on them. And just it's a very difficult time. And a lot of them were still, you know, early 20s trying to deal with working teaching this full load of courses, taking grad school, the pressures. And so a lot of times it almost come up naturally, like, do you have any 
you know, spiritual beliefs that you lean on or what helps you get through, you know, these stressful times. And I could kind of share about my experience too. And so I, again, even having done this so long and knowing that people are open, I still can fall back into, yeah, but probably not these people or probably not this friend. You know, it's like, this is different. But in general, I think especially in those relationships where I got to have some ongoing conversation, um, you know, people mm-hmm. really did want to hear more, whether they agreed or not, we could both talk about our views. Yeah. And I don't know if that's different mm-hmm. now or if you feel like it's more open. Yeah, I think uh, even because of COVID, again, um, I, I don't like COVID and I hope it goes away someday soon. But I, I know too that God isn't surprised by it and he has had plans of how he's going to use it for, you know, long before it ever you know, came to our minds and became an issue in the world. So, yeah, he's using this horrible thing uh, for good, which he does all the time. He uses awful things for his good because he's God and he can do that. So, um, one, yeah, one way that COVID has been great is that it's made a ton more people have questions about, like, why is this kind of thing happening in the world? And, you know, they're looking to answers outside themselves more so than ever. And so they often don't know, you know, to look to the God of the Bible at first, but they're open when we come to talk to them about the God of the Bible. They're, they're really open to saying, um, okay, tell me more about this because, you know, if there's a loving God, you know, why are there bad things in the world or things like that? But they're really wanting to know, like, I, not just, it used to be even, you know, a few years ago, it seemed to be getting more so that like people would just, use you know the problem of evil or xyz uh just to kind of get us to you know be stumped and they their goal was to to stump the christian and you know they'd heard from friends or media or whatever like oh don't even you know think about christianity because xyz so they just throw that in our faces or something but uh now especially with covid it's like no they're not they're not asking questions just to stump us they're asking questions because they really they're really interested they really want to know and yeah they're hurting and sad and and more so which is is hard and and bad but it also you know is pointing them to their need for god even like i said even if they can't articulate that you know their need is for god they know they have a need that they can't meet and the world around them is not meeting (laughs) for them so uh it's great um you know and but even though a lot of people were you know more antagonistic in conversations um you know even a couple years ago compared to maybe when we were in college there's like monica said there's always um i would say more than half of people still that we would talk to are open open to talk and open to hear and definitely open to sharing what they believe and what they've encountered and then, uh, you know, often open to hearing about the gospel and whether they have questions about it or not, they're willing to, to hear what we think and, and yeah, usually have a, a good conversation about it. For those um, who are open and curious, what are the aspects of Christianity that seem to be attractive to mm-hmm. this generation of college students? Mm-hmm. I think the, the community aspect is, has always been something that has been really attractive to people if if we, you know, like the Bible says, uh, you know, will people will know 
um, will know Jesus because of how we love each other. That's a bad paraphrase. But anyways, they'll see Jesus because of our love for one another as Christians. So, uh, yeah, when people um, get to, you know, come see, even if they're walking by sometimes, like we, we have a pizza party or a sports day and they're walking by and they hear us talking to each other. Sometimes that has gotten people to stop because they're like, I heard you guys talking and there was just something about you and how you're talking with one another that was different. And so, you know, we're walking by in the union and hearing worship music and then they'll stand outside the room that we're meeting in and listen a little. And again, they'll just be attracted to that, that community. Like, why are all these people gathering and kind of loving each other, even if they don't, again, see it as they're loving each other uh, like Christ would love. But yeah. so that's, uh, yeah, really attractive to people. What else? I, that's what I was thinking too. I, I think people are drawn to those relationships. Like well, I think of a student at, at Kansas State that ended up deciding to follow Jesus and it was because her sweet mates were, you know, they were involved with crew. They invited her to things. They loved her really well. They cared about her as a person, whether she became a believer or not. And I think mm -hmm. she saw that and then saw these relationships that they had with other Christians. But yeah, I think it's definitely the relationships mm -hmm. and the community as well as I think like Ryan mentioned, I think um, not just this generation, one before them too, and lots of people in other generations that care about really having that impact. Yeah. I think they're drawn to when they can mm -hmm. see, you know, as Christians, we should be leading in different areas, loving people, trying to trying to work towards racial reconciliation or trying to bridge divides against people that we disagree with. And um, mm -hmm. I think when we can do that, that's also really attractive to people to see like, oh, they're not like, just this divisive want to live in a, you know, their own bubble kind of people, but we're trying to make connections to other people. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see how the church would be different in our culture. If we understood that, if we understood yeah. like the attractiveness of like real Christ centered community and how it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like that's limited to college students. It seems like that's a kind of a universal thing, no matter how old you are, if you, yeah. Yeah. It's a community that welcomes you in and meets you where you're at and offers grace. Because mm -hmm. uh, it seems yeah. like grace is one of those aspects that's pretty unique. You know, in our culture, you know, if somebody does something wrong, we want them to get get what's coming to them. Or, yeah. you know, if somebody's done us wrong, we want them to, you know, pay the price for that. So this mm -hmm. idea of grace is that there's a God who has every right to you know, give us what we deserve, but yet comes to the cross and takes that punishment on himself and conquers mm -hmm. that death. Like that is such a foreign concept mm -hmm. that um, it seems like going back to like the book of Acts and early church, that was mm -hmm. that gracious culture that, 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 you know, that hopeful community that was centered on the love of Christ was just so different that it had people curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely, yeah, and that that's something that I was going to talk about a little bit before, so thanks for <laughs> talking about the grace aspect of things, because even in, you know, when we're asking people questions, one thing is a lot of times later, uh, months later, a student will say, I kind of got involved because that first time that we met, you know, you asked me questions about me, and, you know, like we were saying, you really cared about me, so, and nobody else was asking me those questions because I don't I don't usually talk about those things yeah. with my friends we keep things on the surface so you yeah. going deeper was really uh awesome to me like that you actually cared about me 
more more than just what I watched or what I uh, you know what team I was on or whatever but then also uh, yeah when people like with these surveys that we do they're the deep questions um, people will often be very vulnerable but they'll say later on like what it was attractive uh, about your group or yeah about Christianity was that you didn't seem yeah surprised or uh, you didn't seem to judge me yeah when I shared about the tough things in my life or uh, you know they might not even think of things they're doing as sinful at first but when they learn that they're sinful and the things that they shared about are called sin in the Bible um, but that we weren't surprised we didn't say oh whoa you did that oh my gosh I can't talk to you anymore or whatever or God doesn't love you because you did that so you have to do xyz you know to get back in god's good favor and instead you know we just say oh thanks for sharing about that that's that's so great that you're willing to share this with me and boy here's this loving god who wants to forgive you uh everything that you've ever done wrong and who wants to give you this great community and this great love and acceptance that you need that that's yeah super key pretty rare pretty rare in our culture to find that kind of unconditional kind of love even as much as we talk about you know you use the phrase of there are very this is a very welcoming and accepting generation but we are still pretty siloed around Mm -hmm. being with people who are like us Mm -hmm. or agree with the ways that we think whether we're you know however we are in the political spectrum or however we look at the world according to socialists we tend to pick our friends. I mean, that's what we talk about with the cancel culture of, you know, keep the people that close that think like me and I want to drown out the voices that are different than me, but to have a a church or a community that's trying to hold all of that together and say, we're going to make room to agree to disagree on some of these things, but it's our love of Christ that unifies us, that transcends some of those barriers. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's too many things like that in our in our world. That's that seems mm-hmm. like a very unique, very unique aspect of the Christian community and something that mm-hmm. well, I was listening to, or maybe I was reading a, a a post this morning. I was just looking through my Twitter feed, and there was a a, a a Christian author who was saying, you know, this is really a key time for the church. You know, as we're getting coming up an election season where people are really kind of going at each other that the church can either add fuel to the fire or can really be that one, that instrument that holds everybody together when Mm -hmm. we're kind of praying at the end. So, you know, I think that would probably hold true on a college campus too, as you have, especially with students that are coming from overseas, you know, exchange students and things and students who are, you know, Mm -hmm. on education visas who are in America for the first time and bring, you know, such a wide variety of worldviews onto a campus. Um, there's such a, that uniqueness of the Christian message, I would think would shine forth even more brightly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. As you are in this season of kind of trying to dig a little bit more about with COVID and everything, do you have many students who are asking you questions like, why is this happening and where is God in this? Does that conversation come up? Have Hmm. you seen that with students this year? Yeah, with me personally, not too much. Uh, I'm meeting specifically with 
three guys for kind of discipleship group growing in in faith and uh yeah we pray together and study the bible and things like that and those guys haven't really talked too much about it um it's kind of just passing comments like yeah. oh yeah because covid you know like i'm not doing these things that I usually do because COVID or things like that. But uh, there have been conversations I've heard of that other uh, teammates have had where, yeah, especially like a couple of student leaders uh, from last year have not really been able to lead. They've just been not in an emotional place to lead because they're so, you know, drained and saddened and, you know, their life has been complicated in so many ways by COVID. And, and so, you know, staff members that worked with those leaders are talking about you know please pray for this person as it's just hard for them right now and and so yeah talking talking through those things um has been hard for the staff members to do to minister well to those students but uh yeah definitely still you know pointing them back to the love of christ and to that god is bigger than all of this and you know that he has plans for this that we might not know now we might not even know in our own lives, what his plans were for this time until we die and, and get to see him face to face, but that he does, he is still in control and that he does still love us and that he does still love, you know, those who've gotten sick that we know and those who've died and everything. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard, um, but I haven't had to deal with particularly hard, you know, cases of students. And in my Bible study on Wednesday night that I help co-lead with a student leader, it hasn't really come up too much in there too, but it's, it's a good thing to keep on asking about. Um, we've, we've prayed specifically, uh, you know, a couple of times in our Bible study about, you know, people who've lost people because of COVID or people who are sick and, you know, that it, it wouldn't, you know, affect campus life for much longer, things like that. So it's yeah. on, it's on people's minds for sure. Well, and the reason why I asked is I, I think, as you were sharing a little bit about some of the tools that you use with students and your approach to some of this conversation, it seems like the way that crew is addressing some of these things is well suited, you know, to, to have a conversation with a student who might be really wrestling with like, where is God in this? What do I believe? Why is this happening? Where, you know, I remember when I was growing up, in the nineties and when I was in college in the nineties, I went to a Christian college, but I, you know, the heroes of the faith at that point were apologetics was, was such a big thing. And it was more apologetics with sort of like, I'm going to win this argument. Uh, if I can come up with a, a more convincing argument, then that will convince you. And then you'll decide to follow Jesus. But what I learned in, you know, 20 years of working with youth and young adults is sometimes it's the way the way you have that conversation as much as what you say that, that leaves the lasting impression. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if somebody asked me, you know, Tom, why is this happening? How could God let this virus come to earth? If I come at them with this, a statement, a definitive statement, it kind of ends the conversation. But if I can kind of spool that out into, into a conversation, into a dialogue, mm -hmm. Typically, it seems like the response from a, a young adult or a teenager will be like, okay, I want to go think about that. It's not like, well, I'm convinced now. It's like, mm -hmm. I appreciate that you didn't just give me a glib answer, but that you mm -hmm. took the time to like 
hear my pain, hear my, yeah. pain. I would imagine the way that you are approaching these conversations would be a similar kind of a similar strategy or a similar mindset behind that. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, I was, I was going to say, I think the key is empathy. And I think what you're just describing is, is that it's just, this is, it's this focus on the other person and how they're really doing and the questions underneath the questions and the fact that most people aren't looking for this logical, um, you know, three point reasoned argument to convince them they want to hear, they want to feel heard and they want to, you know, know that you care. And I think that's such a key. We could talk for hours about the key that that would be in politics and society at large and some of the big issues that our country's dealing with is empathy. And if you could actually put yourself in someone's shoes, someone else's shoes and appreciate where they're coming from, how much better the conversation goes. And as Christians, I mean, honestly, that should be defining us, all of us all the time. And, you know, we have lots, lots, I will speak for myself. I have lots of room to grow in that, but the more we can, take that kind of approach i think that just looks like jesus you know mm-hmm. yeah we definitely try and point people I, like some of the things i said like to the fact that god's still in control and he has plans for this but yeah also more importantly so it's a good thing you brought stuff up again uh to help me remember that more importantly we need to share and we do share that god is with us in this you know he's he knows how we're feeling. He knows us better than we even know ourselves. He knows what we need to help us get through this. He's, you know, wants to be with us and for us, even during this hard time and all hard times. And that he can actually relate to what we're going through because he did come down to earth as the man Jesus. So he was fully man, just like we were, even though he's also fully God. So he's able to fully comprehend because Jesus went through a lot of hard stuff himself, like, you know, dying on a cross of course is very the worst thing almost uh that you could ever think of going through and so but he went through other hard things in his life too and he saw friends die and he you know saw the pain of of people around him through human eyes um so he can totally fully relate to where we're at and he has the power to be with us and to come in you know he's if if you're a christian uh through he's already in us as you know, the Holy Spirit can minister to us and comfort us as we mourn and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then, you know, it's able to, even non-Christians' lives, you know, come in at different points and, and help minister to their soul even before they know it's Him doing it and things like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, so many things that that made me think of. Um, <laughs> so I get the opportunity to talk to lots of different um, people doing ministry, different types of ministry. You know, mm-hmm. the, the heartbeat behind creating the show was to highlight lots of different ways that God's at work. And so mm-hmm. I want to ask you, you know, because your focus is specifically campus ministry, mm-hmm. um, I'd love to hear your hearts about why you feel that campus ministry is so important? Like what is the significance of campus ministry in the bigger picture of what God's doing in his kingdom? Like why is what you do an essential part of what God's, of, of the kingdom of God? Yeah. Go, go ahead. I'll go first. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, from the start uh, in 1951, when, when Campus Crusade for Christ was founded, 
Um, the idea was to reach the campus today, to reach the world tomorrow. Um, talked about at that time the powerful percent um, that about one percent of the world's population uh, is college aged and you know in colleges and universities and but that one percent of the world was um, in Bill and Vonette Bright uh, the founders of Campus Crusades mind the way to reach the other 99 percent that that one percent had you know for the most part their whole lives ahead of them and we're going to go be leaders in you know countries and leaders in various professions all around the world and and uh yeah especially now too in the u.s um so like you said so many international students come here so you know doing u.s campus ministry specifically we can reach you know people from all around the world because they're coming to u.s campuses to study but yeah that that if we can you know help students become multiplying disciples uh, is what we talk about that we want you know, non-Christians uh, to become followers of Christ and then to help others follow him too. So be disciples, followers that help other people become disciples, which is spiritual multiplication. So if we can get students to spiritually multiply and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, then that can impact the whole world because, yeah, not, not only are they going to be, you know, leading in different um, jobs and, and sometimes different you know, political positions, all that kind of stuff. But even just everybody has influence over other people, um, no matter if it's thousands of other people or a dozen other people, uh, everybody impacts other people in their life. So um, yeah, multiplying disciples who are students who have hopefully 50, 60, 70 years more of their life after they graduate um, to keep on multiplying, that can just impact so many people. And, and students are also, excited about life still they're also you know like we've been talking about even especially this generation they're hungry to make a difference in the world around them not to just kind of watch the world around them anymore but to do something and often they don't know what to do but you know we can give them a really great something to do um, in whatever else they're doing they can have the motivation be to point other people to the god who loves them and who created them and who wants to know them personally and who sent his son to die for them and so they have that zeal for actually making things happen instead of just theorizing, oh, if if only more people knew God, then that would be great. They they actually want to do something about it. So if we can equip them and mobilize them and show them, you know, that as they're growing closer to Christ throughout their life, their primary purpose of them their life is to multiply their faith in the other into others, then boy, the world can change. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's such a key time, and you were touching on this, but for for so many of us, those you know, eighteen to twenty-two, whether you're in college or not, because we worked with a lot of students too that either didn't graduate, went on to do something else, or went maybe finished at a tech school, or took off and did a completely different avenue. But that age range is so key for most of us to kind of figure out, like, yeah, what do we want to build our life on? Um, what's my life really about? Um, with the potential, you know, I feel like every generation comes along and all of us, we have, you know, there's these, these studies and research and there's concerns about how things are changing, not just for each generation, but like in the world, you know, um, different things when we were kids and when like for kids now challenges and there's things to pay attention to and things that are concerning, but at the same time, every generation has such potential to continue to impact the world. And if you think about like mm -hmm. the, this generation with their, yeah, their heart to 
to to leave the world better than they found it. You know, they care about the environment, they care about the impact they're making in their communities and to think about, um, you know, that kind of passion intersecting with faith in Jesus and the impact that that would have to change things as we move forward and to, you know, to have hope because, I mean, honestly, you look around a lot of stuff going on and it's hard to feel hopeful or to feel like, yeah. you, know, you know, we know God's still at work, but it's easy to kind of get discouraged. And I think, not dismissing every generation that comes along there's different challenges and different things that are unique but also different strengths and so i know we mm -hmm. both see that and just the academic setting in general working with faculty it's the same it's just this this setting of you know such potential yeah yeah man that's awesome well as we're kind of getting ready to wrap up um man it go the hours go quick when we do these <laughs> they do yeah yeah um but Tell our folks that are either watching or listening, um, if, they're, if, if they've been listening and, and want to be a part of what you're doing or want to support what you're doing, how do they learn more? How do they get in touch with you guys? How do we, what are next steps for our listeners? Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, and if anybody is uh, wanting to partner with us in ministry, we are so grateful that you want to know more, know more about that. And so uh, you can, call us or text us uh, or email us uh, for more information or there's a, a website give.crew.org um, you can cru is crew yes not c-r-u-w but <laughs> give.cru.org um, and you can look us up Ryan and Monica Reeves on that website and there's a little kind of more blurb about our ministry too but we would love to connect with you personally more so than just you know having you go to that website but that, that website would be a, a place to see a little bit about us and a picture of us. And you could actually give a, a financial gift. We need for sure. That's a key. And then we also need people to give financially so we can keep doing our ministry. But either way, if people give financially or pray or do both, uh, it's great. And then also, you know, if you're interested in actually coming to campus, uh, to one of our campuses. We work at Johnson County Community College, UMKC, and lots of other campuses, like I said, um, could come and do ministry with us uh, at any time. Not with me right now during COVID because I'm staying home, but you know, you could um, you know, even jump on a Zoom call um, that we have if you want to learn how to do certain things. Yeah, probably the easiest way is our email. Um, we can get that to you too, Tom, but it's, it's just monica.reeves at crew.org and ryan.reeves at crew.org. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I can reach out to us. And we love to connect with people. Everybody, so we have a team of people and churches that partner with us, and we've been doing that for 18, 19 years. And that's such an encouraging part for us because we have this whole team of people praying for the ministry, praying for us personally that we get to pray for. Um, and we love to have that that partnership. It really is a partnership. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, if you're... Um, would love to we'd love to tell you more about that if there anything in what we said spurred your your heart towards that awesome well thank you so much for taking the time to to have a conversation today um and whether you're listening to this um on an apple podcast or a spotify podcast or watch this on youtube uh we want to encourage you to make sure that you may leave a comment um share this information with other folks if you think that you think might be interested in it but we just want to encourage you wherever you're at today that you would continue to dive deeper into what God's doing in the greater community outside the four walls of the church. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.